0: Welcome to Mad Men Sports, myself Jake, Zach to my left, your right. Today, we have a very, very special guest, the one and only Sal Capaccio. Sal,
1: how are you doing today?
2: Pretty good, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Thanks for coming on. It's it's a big honor of us to have you to come on our podcast. So, Sal, big day in Buffalo sports today. I mean, Blue Jays are playing first I think it's 105 years that MLBs or professional baseball has been playing in Buffalo. It's a pretty big deal.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, pretty amazing. When I was growing up, uh, I remember when now Salem Field opened as Pilot Field back in the late 80s, 1988, and you know they were really trying to get a major league baseball team here in Buffalo, and that round of expansion, everybody knew baseball was going to expand. Buffalo didn't get a team. Miami, the Marlins, were one of the teams actually chosen, and now here we are, uh, what Twenty-two years later, and the Marlins are actually the team playing the Blue Jays, who are hosting in Buffalo. <laughs> so uh, things have come a little full circle. That's great. I'm really happy for the city. I think it's really cool to have that happen here. And um, you know, the Sabers are going back to their royal blue u- uniforms, which are was my color growing up, watching the team back in the um, you know my teenage years. And so I think t- today was a, today's a very nostalgic day. I think in Buffalo,
1: it's a great Buffalo day. It, it's. One of the best days in a long time that we've had Buffalo going on around, and you know what? The Bills—they're—they're they're doing a little something lately too. They're probably the best that they've been since the early '90s. Would you would you say that? I know it's kind of a broad, oh, their best, but they—they've they've been pretty good and only getting better. They got, yeah. I think, yeah. Great talent.
2: I, think um, I think I'd have to go back to probably you know I think the playoff team that lost before the drought uh, at Tennessee on on the um, controversial call home run throwback. I think that was a very good team. If they win that game. I think they had a good enough team to go to the Super Bowl that year. You know, Tennessee wound up going to the Super Bowl. The team that beat the Bills in that game—that was the late '90s. They were a good team. Uh, this is probably the best they've been since then. And certainly, um, you can make the argument, even though that you maybe even the mid '90s, you know, after the Super Bowl run. But um, you know, they—they they have good young talent. Uh, they built a get, built a strong team, and I think you know that uh, they should be they should be in this position for a while. I mean, I think a lot of it's going to hinge on Josh Allen, of course, in his development. But I think that what Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott have built here—that it's going to be sustainable
1: absolutely and that kind of you know segues into you know the mcdermott and Bean. there they've built this whole thing pretty much from the ground up i mean i remember that day in august where you know everyone's kind of you know starting their day off and then all of a sudden sammy Watkins is traded ronald darby's traded it was really pretty much the beginning of the gutting of the rex ryan regime and the start of the mcdermott bean reg- regime now i know it's a couple years away still but do you think that the Pagoulas are maybe, you know, kicking around the idea of an extension of those two?
2: Oh, uh, sure. I mean, you know, I don't, um, I don't exactly know, you know, when their contracts expire specifically, um, but I, I would think it'd have to be in the mind of them. You know, they don't want to lose them. So, sure. You know, when you see other head coaches and GMs get extended around the league, I think that you're going to think about, you know, your own people at some point anyway. Um, you know, you probably thinking about that no matter what because they made the playoffs and you know two out of the three years together so sure I mean we don't know what's on the horizon but I'm sure that it's on their mind.
1: Absolutely and especially in a time of complete uncertainty in the world you know the the Bills kind of you know they kept their nucleus together they they were lucky enough to draft a quarterback a couple years ago they have a new defensive leader in Tremaine Edmonds and they have a cornerstone of a franchise cornerback in Trey White in a time of crazy like uncertainty, you know almost kinda have an idea of what the bills are going to be going into the season, which is kind of nice. And you don't really get that without McDermott and Bean kind of, you know, starting this whole from the beginning of the process that everyone, you know, kinda of pokes fun at, but it's legitimate. They started this whole character system and process system and pretty much the organization wouldn't be where they are right now without those two. So hats off to them and hopefully they stay in the organization as long as possible.
2: Yeah, I think the word you want here is consistency. You know, you know they, you know what you're going to get because they've been consistent uh, since the day they walked in the door with their vision and the way they've gone about it. And I think from a week to week basis under Sean McDermott, the Bills are a very consistent football team. Um, you know, they've had a game here or a game there where they haven't been at their best, maybe. Um, you know, and they ha- they haven't been able to really get over the hump of you know being a super offensive juggernaut or anything like that. But I think it, week in week out, they're prepared, they're ready, and um, you know what they're what you're going to get.
1: Absolutely.
2: Perfect.
0: And Jake here. Uh, so, this is, of course, contingent on Brian Dable getting a head coaching job. At, you know, the Browns had taken a look at him last year. But, in the event that this is his last season in Buffalo, could you see Ken Dorsey stepping into that role as offensive coordinator?
2: I think that's putting the cart way before the horse, guys. <laughs> I, I mean, who knows? I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, so much could happen. You know, there's very few of these jobs that open in the league every year. And,. It's hard to get them. You know, a lot of things have to fall into place. So, I mean, I I think Ken Dorsey's a a good position coach. He's got a bright future, but I think that's probably way too early to say something like that. I would have no idea
1: absolutely that was a listener question that yeah. was a little out in left field we figured we'd let him ask so um, so kind of going to the offense a little bit we want to break it down offense defense and special teams because we even have a special team question because there's a little bit of a position battle going on this year um
2: it's so, funny like say it's funny when I when you get a listener question like that because I'm like you know, can you just concentrate on 2020 like you might have a really good team. <laughs> Cares about what's going to happen in the next off season. I mean, he had a really good team. Let's just you know concentrate on trying to win games and seeing how great that'll go. And if you're lucky enough that the Brian Dable gets a head coaching job, that means if he does, I mean, that means you were lucky enough that this team was really good. So let's hope that happens. So I always think it's kind of funny when I when I hear things like that.
1: No, absolutely. I mean, listen. The bottom line is this team hasn't had a top sixteen offense. I mean, we're just talking about the top half since two thousand sixteen when they run ran the ball like thirty times a game. So it's. it's Still a little bit of ways to go until that even comes up in the conversation or the forefront. Exactly. Speaking of the offense, kind of taking a next step, do you think the addition of Stefan Diggs is enough to kind of aid Josh Allen into becoming, not the next level, but take another step in his progression to kind of become, you know, kind of what the other top tier quarterbacks in the league are. You know, he's obviously a little bit ahead of some of the others he was drafted with, obviously behind Lamar, just out of, different styles but do you think digs is enough to bring josh allen in more of a pocket passer and become more consistency i know he had a lot of drops last year but could digs be a big help
2: well of course i mean if he's not then there's no reason the bill should have given up given up a number one pick for him right i mean that's why you bring him in it's twofold it's number one is he's a fantastic player and he's going to help the offense but another big reason is because you have a young quarterback who's still developing and this guy can really help him um you know, but this that's not, it's not the only reason. You know, Josh has to take the development himself. He has to take ownership of his career, ownership of his development. He has to take the next step on his own, regardless of having Stefan Diggs or anybody else. I mean, you know, any at, at any point, you know, who knows? You know, Stefan Diggs could get hurt. He could miss time, you know, and, and Josh Allen still has to progress. He still has to make those strides. No matter who's on the field with him, he's going into his third year, and he's got to show the organization, you know, that that's the case. But they've given him all the tools. Make no mistake, he has no excuse now. If If everybody stays healthy and... You know, this offense has the parts now that it does for 16 games, essentially, if not close to it. I, I think, you know, they're looking at a really, uh, at least a complete evaluation of Josh Allen. And I think Stefan Diggs is a major component of that, there's no doubt. Uh, he runs great routes, he knows how to get open, he can catch balls other guys can't. We all know Josh is not the most accurate quarterback in the world, and that's okay. Um, you know, the Bills didn't draft him to be a 70% completion guy, but he's got to have a few, he's got to be better than he was, and I think a guy like Stefan Diggs can help improve that accuracy, can help improve some of those those jump balls and 50-50s. So, sure, I mean, um, he better, you know, be someone who can help Josh Allen develop, or, or A, Josh Allen simply isn't the guy, or B, you shouldn't have given up a first-round pick for him. Hmm,
0: definitely. And now, we did see a lot of Frank Gore last year, 166 carries. Uh, do you think that Zach Moss is going to pick up those carries or do you think we're going to see a lot more of Devin Singletary this year?
2: You know it's a good question and, I, and I've gone back and forth and I've been asked this on my own station WGR quite a bit um, and it's really I, I think if you ask me this if we're not during the pandemic I think I'm telling you that it's probably closer to a split you know 50-50 type of situation for most of the season but because guys we did not have the offseason because the rookies just weren't able to get acclimated like they normally would I just can't see how Zach Moss is going to step right in and take, you know, fifty percent of the carries. You know, split them with uh, Devin Singletary right away. I think that that's got to come gradual. Um, he's got to prove that he can do that. There's no preseason for them to see. There's no uh, acclamation period through OTAs, through rookie mini camps, or nothing like that. So, you know, it's going to be harder. So, I, I think Devin Singletary starts off as the lead back, the number one guy. As the season goes on, you probably see Zach Moss, you know, sprinkled in there, and then. He's going to have to earn it, and he's going to have to prove that, you know, he belongs on the field more and more. So I think that this this is probably a different answer if we're in a different situation than we are now. But Devin Singletary is probably going to be the number one back going into the season, and then we'll see how it develops as the year goes on.
1: Absolutely, and you know, you're kind of the tail end of that answer. Or your answer was, you know, if we were in a different situation, your answer is different. So my next question is: Last season, Duke Williams, Robert Foster, were kind of. You know, fringe guys to say on, you know, opening day or, excuse me, active day rosters, uh, they they had to kind of find a role within themselves. And even then, they had a hard time finding consistency on the field. Do you think the addition of Isaiah Hodgins and Gabriel Davis kind of is there a ticket out of town? Or do you think because it's a different offseason, we may get one more year with those two?
2: Well, there's only probably going to be, you know, two spots available to me, the way I see it at wide receiver for probably five guys fighting for them. Um, I think Stephon Diggs, John Brown, Cole Beasley, they're obviously making the team. And and I think think that Gabe Davis makes the team because he's a fourth-rounder. I don't think you get rid of a fourth-round pick. It's very rare that that would happen. So, you know, the Bills are invested in him, so he's going to be on the team. So, to me, that's four guys. They've only kept six wide receivers every single season that McDermott's been here. So I think that's what you have to go on, that they're going to keep six. And to me, Andre Roberts probably gets the fifth spot because he's – you know, a kick returner they really value, kick and punt returner. You know, there's a debate on whether they should or not, but they do. They de- they value that spot a lot, and he's one of the best in the league at that. So now if you take five, now think what you're talking about. Now you're looking at Isaiah Hodgins, Isaiah McKenzie, Robert Foster, Duke Williams, all battling for one spot. That's pretty amazing. Um, and I think that um, the way that we talked with Stefan Diggs the other day on a Zoom call, on the conference call, the media did. I'm sorry, with, um, we talked with Seven Days. We talked with John Brown. John Brown said that Gabe Davis and Isaiah Hodgins know the playbook back and forth. He said the veterans are asking them questions. He said they know the playbook better than veterans. And I wonder if he's saying that some of the guys don't know it as well as they should. Um, and, I, and I think that speaks to volumes about them being ready and coming in and being prepared. So um, at this point, if I did a 53 man roster projection, which I haven't done, I think I would have both Duke Williams and, and Robert Foster not here. Now, maybe you can get something for Robert Foster. He's still young. He showed that he could really, he has talent. He showed that a couple of years ago. And he's on a very, very, he's on like a minimum contract, basically. Uh, they both are. So maybe you can spin him for an asset if that's the case. But the other thing I'll always remind everybody is injuries happen during camp and during preseason. We don't have preseason games this year, but, you know, we talk a lot about this stuff every year, guys, and then every year there seems to be an injury that pops up that opens the door for someone to make the team and someone else to either go on IR or start, start the year on some other sort of list or something like that. So, you know, I, I think that all of that has to shake out. But at this point in time, I, I probably would tell you that I think that Duke Williams and Robert Foster would be on the outside looking in because the Bills have a, an investment in the other in the two rookies being draft picks this year.
1: Absolutely. And I know they started, you know, tr- camp already and it's kind of closed off the media due to, you know, health concerns. And I know COVID's, you know, a huge topic that I don't even, I, if you don't mind, I don't want to talk about just because it's just a, a whole bag of worms. But do you think that the bills and like the whole focus process of how they handle things, do you think that they're using these closed practices, no fans? You know, I, I, I know media, media availability is pretty, you know, slim at the moment. Do you think they're using it as an opportunity to, you know, preach focus and Do you think they see it as a positive at the time being?
2: I wouldn't say they see it as a positive, but, look, I mean, knowing Sean McDermott the way I do, covering him for three years, I will tell you that um, there are very few teams in this league, if any, that are more equipped to handle a situation like this than the Bills. I think that Sean McDermott is the right coach you want. He does not leave any stone unturned. Um, He is very detail-oriented. He plans everything out. He plans for every scenario and situation, and if there isn't one that he planned for, he's darn well going to go back and make sure – that he fixes that and he plans for it to make sure that he has it right the next time. And, and the next time it comes up, you know um, it's hard to have, you know, it's hard to do anything secretive necessarily uh, during this. It's a very limited time they have on the field right now. They're still in phase two is what the, we'll call it here for the, you know, they call it the gradual ramp up period. There was the acclamation period and the gradual ramp up period. They're still doing that. And no, there has been no media out there other than, you know, the, the team's official, you know, website and some pictures and things like that. Um, we haven't had official word yet but I think next week we'll probably I'll probably be out there with other media it'll be just like camp so even if you want to do that by the time we get out there there's not going to be as much you know you're still going to be able to see what you normally see now all that said look guys I mean one of the things we talked about all off season is the bills have all these players returning all their coaches returning same system you know they don't have to reinstall things they're just building on what they have they're just finding new ways to tweak they're finding ways to be creative to To really kind of advance the offense and sure maybe you know stefan Diggs coming in has got to he's got to get acclimated with josh allen and things like that but for the most part you know this group has been together so i i think that you know long way around to answer your question i think they're using this time probably to the most efficient you know possible way they can simply because they have an ability with knowing what sean mcdermott expects and knowing, you know, what they need to do on a day to day basis more than most other teams would in this situation.
1: Absolutely, that question kind of came to me while I was uh, listening to John Brown on that uh, Zoom video, and he kind of perked up a little bit when he was asked that uh, if Dable was finding creative ways to get everyone the ball. I was kind of wondering, <laughs> I wonder if they're working on some trick plays at the moment or anything, you know, some, something they can keep close to the chest come playoffs or during the season.
0: Definitely. Well, you know, they do that
2: every year. You, you remember the. They threw the pass and, and Thanksgiving. The um, John Brown threw the pass. Mm-hmm. They had the one against uh, the Texans in the playoff game. People forget they actually had one against Miami. John Brown threw it um, back. And T.J. Yeldon was in the end zone. Uh, I was against New England. Actually, it was yeah. ripped out of his hands. That was actually a big, big point of the game. You know, and we've talked with Brian Dable about those things, and he said this is the time of year you do that. You, you find out who can. Who has different skill sets that maybe you can use at a different point in time? You know, Deion Dawkins has caught a couple touchdown passes the last couple years, right? I mean, this is the time where all teams around the league are kind of doing that. But I would say with the Bills already knowing a lot of their players and not having to evaluate necessarily taking the time, they can spend an extra minute or two in practice on maybe understanding some of those things and, you know, allowing Brian Dable to be that creative.
0: Absolutely. Definitely. And we're going to switch over to the defensive side of the ball. Now, Starlet Tulele not playing this year. Uh, is definitely going to be a kind of a loss for the defense. I know we got a lot of young guys being able to step up, but he wasn't the biggest stat guy other than that one interception against Dallas, but we understood his value. He was a great double team taker uh, and kind of opened up those gaps for the linebackers. Now, do you believe that we have the talent on the roster to kind of fill that role or do you think we have to look elsewhere?
2: I think the answer comes in how quickly, how well Harrison Phillips recovers from his ACL. You know, he, he tore his ACL the third week of last year in the final drive against the Bengals. Uh, he was already cutting into star snaps, as it was. He was kind of taking over that role slowly, and now it could be his role. But if, if he is fully healthy, if he's ready to go, I think your answer is sure. I mean, they have a guy that, you know, can really step in, kind of fill that void of that run-stuffing, you know, defensive tackle that, you know, they really are kind of going to kind of miss. And Harrison Phillips, but if he's not able to, um, it's going to be a challenge, I think, to at least fill to fill the void specifically. But I think the thing they have going for them is they have a very diverse defensive line. They'll be able to really mix and match things. And look, Vernon Butler, he can play inside. Quentin Jefferson, to me, is he, he he can play inside. He's he can play inside and outside. He's more of an inside guy. He's more of a penetrator, I think, than run stuffer. Vernon Butler can be a little bit more of the that guy who can do a little bit more of that. Vincent Taylor, though, don't you know count him out. Vincent Taylor played for this team last year. He is a guy that I think, you know, is more suited for that type of role. Uh, and of course, they have Ed Oliver, but Ed Oliver, you know, he would be the other guy in the field that's not necessarily going to be trying to plug gaps and stop the run necessarily like Star did. Uh, he's a guy I think he has a really bright future, but he's a little smaller. He's going to be used to penetrate and things like that. Um, I, I don't think they have a Star Latulale on the roster, but I think there's ways that they can get to you know filling what he did and i think the main one is if harrison phillips can be recovered fully from that acl which we don't know yet
1: absolutely cuz when he was healthy he was starting to really come into his own in his second year and it was a real shame to see him go down cuz he was he was taking away snaps from star and jordan phillips he was starting to be a consistent player in the middle of that defense yeah
0: early in the year too
1: absolutely now I don't think it's talked about enough how big of a loss it's going to be for Lorenzo Alexander gone. I know as a, you know, a vocal leader on the defense, Tremaine Edmonds, I've seen is, you know, stepped up and then we see him a little bit more in the media and the spotlight. Do you think that we're due for a natural regression at the, you know, pass rusher linebacker type of position that Lorenzo played at?
2: Um, I don't know about that. I mean, you know, they did the bills weren't they didn't get a lot of great numbers, you know, from their pass rush last year, you know, from, from guys their number one pass rusher was Shaq Lawson with six and a half sacks, Mm -hmm. you know, and they lost him. And on the outside, I mean, obviously Jordan Phillips had the most sacks at nine and a half, he played the interior, but no, it's, you're right. There, it's a big loss with Lorenzo Alexander. There's no doubt about that. Um, But you know, you gotta remember, Lorenzo was pretty much, you know, a part-time player. He wasn't even on the field for half the snaps defensively. He was on the field for 48% of the snaps last year. They use him in a lot of different roles. And I think that's the thing you're losing. You're losing a really versatile guy who could be on the ball, off the ball, he can line up inside, outside. The guy could really play anywhere. He has played anywhere throughout his career, he even played in the offensive line earlier in his career, you know? I mean, the guy is so versatile, he could do so many things. But let's remember, the team went out and signed Mario Addison to a pretty pretty hefty contract. He has had um, he's has some of the, I think the number is maybe the 11th most sacks in the league over the last four years combined. Um, you know, he's, he's done a really nice job of getting to the quarterback the last several years. They signed him to a nice contract. They still have Trent Murphy on the roster, which maybe his job could be in jeopardy. And I think that might come down to, you know, how well AJ Finesa comes along. They use, they, the bills use their two, I'd say most valuable assets this off season on defensive end. And that is money and Mario Addison. And their first draft pick on A.J. Epinesis. So as much as they lost Lorenzo Alexander, as a pass rusher, I don't think it hurts them nearly as much. I think where it hurts them is their versatility to have a guy that can really play on the ball, off the ball, all over the place. And A.J. Klein becomes kind of that guy, but he's not really an on-the-ball guy. He's a guy that can play off the ball, but he can play all three linebackers spots.
1: Absolutely, I was actually just rewatching the Ravens game recently, and I realized how big of a force Lorenzo was at you know slowing down Lamar and containing him. And you know the Bills were in that game and right up to the end where they threw that pass to John Brown and came up short. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah you know what's funny is you know, I, I I've spoke, I've talked to it Lorenzo about that game because just kind of talked to him about you know stopping Lamar Jackson. And you're right, he was. And I think that the the biggest reason is really because he's so smart and because he understands football. He understands how to how to play certain angles and leverages and do his job correctly. And, you know, what he told me was, and there was a a bit of a debate going on on how you defend Lamar. Do you use more defensive backs? Do you use more linebackers? And Lorenzo said something really interesting to me. He said, it's not about the numbers you use. It's really about the guys and who you trust. Can you trust the people on the field to do what's right, to play it the right way? The Bills did a great job on Lamar that day, but everyone really did a nice job. And Lorenzo, remember the playoff game against Jacksonville a couple years ago. He was all over the field. He was the best player on the field, I think, that day. You know, he just... He puts in so much time and effort in the film room and to study and to know exactly what his role is. Um, I think that that's another thing they're going to be losing. But look, the Bills have a lot of guys like that that are very good at understanding their role, putting in the time, the work and, um, you know, making sure that they're buttoned up when it comes time for Sundays.
0: Definitely, definitely. And now, Sal, I have to know, I'm a big media sensation guy. I eat that stuff up. So rookie kicker Tyler Bass, is it his job to lose?
2: I think it is. Keith Barwell, the Bill's special teams coach said it's Stephen Hauschka's job to lose, uh, because he's the veteran. And I understand him saying that. And I get why he would say that. And I think a lot, some people would agree. Maybe a lot of people would agree. I think when you spend a draft pick on a kicker after, especially the kicker you have on, on, ro- on your roster already had, a, had struggles, I think that that kicker that you drafted comes in with probably, Hey, just make sure you don't screw this type of thing. As long as he, to me, as long as he doesn't screw it up, he makes the team. I can't see how Tyler Bass doesn't beat out Steven Hauschka unless Tyler Bass screws it up. And to me, that means that's his job to lose. Um, you know, I've seen people with roster projections of uh, you know Tyler Bass being on the practice squad. I don't know May, if if he doesn't make the team, maybe. But I, I think, and I now that they have the now that they have the uh, sixteen guys that they're allowed. You know, that's I guess possible. But I think he makes the team. I think he probably beats out Stephen Hauschka. Guys, people have to remember, the Bills kind of sort of looked to replace Stephen Hauschka last year. They actually put a waiver claim in on Chase McLaughlin in early December after he was released by San Francisco. But the Colts had a higher waiver claim, and he went to the Colts. So, you know, at that point, if they would have had him, they may have released Stephen Hauschka at that point. So I do think it's Tyler Bass's job to lose, but the Bills are saying all the right things. And look, a couple of years ago, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers spent, what, a second-round pick on a kicker? Mm-hmm. And the guy was awful. He was awful. He couldn't make it in the NFL. So you never know. Just because you're drafted doesn't guarantee you anything. But I do think it means that the team is invested in hoping that you are the guy because they don't want to make a mistake with that draft pick.
0: No, definitely. And it was really unfortunate watching Stephen Hauschka last year. We saw him struggle in Cleveland. But then on the flip side, you see him perfect against the Houston Texans. Admit, of course, that's in a dome, but the lights are on. But yeah, it was super disappointing to kind of see him go through those struggles.
2: He, um you know, he's kind of never been the same since he got hit in the Jets game a couple years ago. Remember that one? Uh, the cheap shot that he was. Hit. Anderson, yeah. yeah. And you know, a lot of people have pointed that, and it is right. And I'm not going to say that's the reason, but it does seem like you know his struggles kind of started after that. He's he struggled on the long ball the last year or so when he was really good at that. He the Bills if you know, he kicking 50 yard plus field goals all over the place in 2017, the year they made the playoffs. He had two of them in Atlanta that, uh, that game they beat the Falcons, like a 54 and a 56 maybe. I mean, it was like, he was booming them in a dome. I know, but um, you know, he was struggling with the long ball last year. He doesn't have the strongest leg. He's been, he's able to kick um, some longer field goals, but then is really, he was missing his accuracy. He was missing some extra points. And then he did have a better second half last year. There's no doubt about he had a better second half last year, but at the end of the day, you know, I think the Bills, um, you know, they're going to try, they're going to do what's best for the organization. As much as Stephen Hauschka has done a nice job for them, he's very well liked by his teammates. Tyler Bass, being on this roster in the position that, you know, being a draft pick actually is a kicker to come in, I think it's going to be tough for him not to be on this team as long as, like I said before, he doesn't screw it up.
1: Absolutely. And Hauschka, you know, all things aside, is the top scorer the last 20 years in Buffalo Bills playoffs. So, you know, we got to give it to him. Two playoff games and he's been pretty decent there. Um, Our next question is um, So, the Diggs trade, that was probably like the first time that I've seen the Bills, at least in the last 20 years, have a serious chance to like make a win now move and, you know, not get like second guessed on it, like, whoa, this team's really out of their element. But when they traded their first round pick for Stefan Diggs, it was, I believe it was Monday or Tuesday in March, and the whole world was falling apart. But I was like, wow, the Bills must really think they're going for it right now. And have you been like seeing more of a media attention around the bills? Have you been you know, seeing more of a command for yourself even just to come on shows and like talk about the bills, see if they're a win-now team or not? Have you been seeing any of that out there or like from the national outside of Western New York?
2: You know, guys, I would say that it's just so hard to judge because of the pandemic. And I think mm-hmm. that if we weren't doing what we're doing now and having to quarantine, I probably would. You know, I've seen the uptick the last couple of years, actually, because, you know, they did make the playoffs. They do have Josh Allen. They've got they've grown some buzz last year as the season went on. I was doing more media appearances, getting calls from around the country. I've had some of those, you know, this offseason. But I mean, you know, it's been tough because people know, like, I mean, heck, to be honest with you, there's some media that were furloughed and weren't even working. They came and do their own shows and things like that. Right. So it's been hard. I do think there's there's more of a buzz, certainly about the Bills. I mean, look, they are the Vegas the, they're the money line favorites right now, the betting favorites in the AFC East this year. They're getting national attention. When you turn, every time you turn around, it seems like there's somebody new saying, "Hey, the Bills are going to win the East." There's somebody new saying, "Hey, watch out for the Buffalo Bills. They're going to take the next step." But I also tell you, there are plenty of people who don't believe in the Bills. It really comes down to Josh Allen for them. They like Sean McDermott. They like Brandon Bean. They like you know Stefon Diggs, whatever. But they'll say, "There's an, there's always a butt, and that butt is followed by the quarterback, Josh Allen, and that's who you know they don't like." So, you know. It's hard for me to judge. Um, you know, I do, I think, but it's also the new age of media we're in. Like, I'm doing this with you guys, and I will tell you, I've been asked to be on several podcasts, you know, people who have their own blogs, their own podcasts. I've done a, quite a few of those. And I think, though, that that kind of goes along with, you know, what we're doing right now, which, you know, people have more time at home. They're trying to create content. They want to talk about things. So, you know, they're reaching out to people like me or other people in the media to come on and be guests. I think nationally, if if we weren't in the situation we are in, and we had all the OTAs and mini camps. And I was at Roche- in Rochester right now watching the Bills. I think I would have a much better feel for that, and I think we would be getting a lot more of that. But it's very hard right now because people just know th- th- there's no football going on. You can't even knowing if you reach out to Sal Capaccio, like you guys said, I'm not even at practice right now. Nobody really knows what to ask and you know how to frame that stuff.
1: Absolutely, it's it's wild times. But we appreciate you coming on, Sal. It's J- Sal big get for us probably our. i mean it, this it was is. this was our bucket list guest you were a bucket list guest for us <laughs> since the day we started about three years ago we were like oh man it'd be awesome to one day get sell capacho we did
2: no nah, man anytime don't uh don't ever re- uh, hesitate to reach out you know i i remember starting out in this business and even before i was and i was doing some video casting and podcasting and things like that i was in the business then i left and i went, got when i got back in and i will tell you I would reach out to people and to be on, you know, media members, known media members. And I always remember the people who were really cordial and available. And I always remember the people who weren't and kind of blew me off. So I don't ever want to be the latter.
0: (laughs) You know what I mean? Absolutely.
1: Definitely. Well, thank you for not being the latter. And Sal, thank you so much for coming on. Sal from WGR 550 in Buffalo. Thank you so much, Sal. We hope to speak to you soon. Uh, Stay safe and stay happy.
2: Yeah, you too, guys. Thank you very much for having me.
1: Thanks. Take care, Sal.
2: Okay, you too, guys. Thanks. Thank
1: you. bye